All right, let's go home. <laughs> right? What, what more can I add to that? I love that. Um, you know, that's my king. And I, my, my prayer today is uh, for all of us here today, whether you have a relationship with Jesus Christ or maybe not, I pray that you will walk out of here being able to say, that's my king. Amen. Amen. We've, been, we've been going through the book of Revelation. And, you know, I, I was praying through whether or not I should continue through the book of Revelation where we were. And it just so happened that we would begin Revelation chapter 5 today. And I was reading through Revelation chapter 5. And there's so many different things you can preach out of this, this chapter because it's, it's so rich. And I decided that we would go ahead and jump off into Revelation chapter 5 today. Because as, as I begin to read through what's being described here in Revelation chapter 5, I believe that it, it is the... Um, it really signifies, it really expresses the message of Resurrection Sunday. And so, if you see in Revelation 5, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and open your Bibles there. Because as I, as I think about even that, that message about Jesus <coughs> as our King, and He is indeed our King. He, he is the King of glory. He's the King of kings. And you think about all the many names of, of Jesus Christ. And I'll share a few of them with you today. He's our, he's our Good Shepherd He's our great high priest. He's our elder brother. He's our kinsman redeemer. He's the word become flesh. He is our mighty warrior. He is the prince of peace. He is our bridegroom. He is our Lord, our savior, our teacher, our friend. He's judge and advocate. And I could go on and on and on and on about who Jesus is, trying to describe him through all the many names that we has revealed to us in the scriptures about the nature and the person and the work of Jesus Christ. But did you know in the book of Revelation... There's one name that's used more than any other name. And it's the the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb that was slain. And as John is taken up to heaven and is given this vision of heaven in the glorious throne room of heaven, that's what we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 5, is that he sees the Lamb as if he were slain. And I feel like today the the message that I really want to share with you is that, yes, He is our King. And we'll get to that at the end because He is our risen Lord. But the first thing I need you to understand today is that Jesus Christ is the sacrificial Lamb of God. And that's so very significant to where you are today and where we are today as individuals. He is the Lamb. It, It breaks my heart. There are a couple of burdens that I have today um, among, among many. One is, is thinking about there's a whole generation that has grown up thinking that this weekend is about eggs and Easter bunnies and maybe a new pair of clothes and getting some candy. And I just want to, you know, we, we live in a truly a post-Christian culture. And we take for granted, many of us growing up in the church or many of us growing up in the Bible Belt, we take for granted that there is an entire generation who thinks that Easter holiday is just an extra long weekend. They get a little time out of school. They get an Easter basket. They get to go on an Easter egg hunt. And there's no recognition of what the true meaning of this day is all about. I'm talking about an entire generation. Now, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir because probably if you're here today, you have some idea, at least some idea, that, that there's something else to this season that we call Easter. And personally, I don't even like to use the word Easter. I like to say Resurrection Sunday. 
But there's a burden on my heart that, that we have a whole generation who's disconnected from what this time is really all about. Now, there are also some here today that are hurting. Uh, let me say that. Let me say that differently. Everybody's here today that's hurting. There's, there's not a person that entered into this room today that's not suffering or hurting in some way. Amen. And when we take a step back and we, we look at humanity in general, the universal condition of mankind is suffering. You may come in here today and you're hurting relationally. Somebody that was near and dear to you has hurt you deeply. You may be in here today and you're hurting physically. You might be hurting mentally. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're battling depression. Maybe you're hurting spiritually. Maybe your heart is just completely broken. Maybe you're hurting financially. You see, all of us are hurting in some way, and I can say that without reservation, that I know that there's a commonality with every person that walked into this room is that we're all hurting, we're all suffering, and we're all experiencing pain in some way. Human suffering is universal. It doesn't discriminate, right? It doesn't care if you're white or black or male or female or rich or poor or young or old. It affects us all, right? Amen. And that's why, you know, as I begin to think about this Easter message or Resurrection Sunday message, I begin to think about Revelation chapter 5 and the Lamb who was slain because when we think about Jesus Christ, we think about the one who is able to meet us at the place of our deepest needs. I had two conversations this week that I want to share with you just briefly, just as by way of introduction, that, that really set the stage for what I'm about to share with you today. The first conversation I had was with a young man who uh, comes to this church, and, and I, I see him quite often. He's been here for a while, and and we have, you know, we've had surface level conversations over the last few years. But I sat down with him this week and I just began to ask him some, some questions. And, and I asked him this question. I said, well, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? It's actually a question we're using in our Share Jesus Without Fear uh, class that we, we have every Wednesday night. Just, just being able to open up a conversation with anybody to say, well, who is Jesus to you? And, and it's amazing what kind of answers you may get. And this young man who has been in our uh, student group and he's heard the gospel... And, and he began to tell me, and, and this was basically his answer, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, he said, you know, Jesus, he, he, was, he was a great man, and he, he, he spoke to a lot of people way back then, and he did some great things a long time ago. And he even said, and he, and he died on the cross, and, and I'm like, yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're getting somewhere, right? But, but what broke my heart in that conversation is that this young man had a complete disconnect with Jesus being somebody, this old, archaic person who lived in long history past, who did these amazing and wonderful things a long time ago, maybe for his generation, for the people that he interacted with on the earth 2,000 years ago. You know, we throw that number out 2,000 years ago. I mean, to a, to a young kid, that's, that's forever, right? I mean, this is forever ago. And what broke my heart is that there was a disconnect there between this young man and Jesus with him thinking that he, he was a great man or he maybe did some great things a long time ago, but that's really not relevant to me right now. And I think there's a lot of people, maybe you in this room, you probably think about Jesus that way. You know a lot about Jesus. 
You may be able to tell me a lot of the things that he did, especially his death on the cross. He was raised from the dead. But in our minds, we're still disconnected. It's like, but that has nothing to do with my life right now. How is this guy who died 2,000 years ago going to be able to do anything for me today in 2021? There's a big disconnect, I think, in our culture today. The other conversation that I had was with a, a, a lady in our church. And she was praying for a friend of hers who had recently buried her husband. And apparently this friend of hers um, was a woman of faith. She had professed faith. And, and this friend was, this lady in our church was ministering to her and trying to encourage her through this very, very difficult time because she had just lost her husband. And this, uh, this lady was heartbroken because she, she said, My friend is so angry at God. She hates God right now. She blames God for her suffering. And she's basically renounced her faith. And that's where she is now. And I see so many people today, people who have identified with Christianity, people who have maybe grown up with a semblance of Christianity, and even even people who I've seen strong in their faith at one time, and then they go through that period of darkness and that suffering and that pain and that great loss and that great heartbreak, and and instead of pressing in and drawing closer to God and, and seeing their faith grow through those times of difficulty and suffering, they completely go the opposite direction, and they begin to blame God and get bitterness and hardness in their heart, and they begin to get angry at God and saying, God, why would you let this happen to me? Some of you in this room today are right there, right now. And you may not even be willing to admit it, but you're, you're mad and you hate God right now. You blame Him for some terrible thing that happened to you in your life. Now, my question to the second person in this illustration is this. You see, basically, in in the midst of our human condition, human suffering, everything that we're going to look at here in just a second, there's really only two two choices you have. You either reject God and and really move to a place of atheism. Life is pointless. Everything's meaningless. If this is the way it's going to be, if I'm going to suffer and experience evil and all this kind of thing, then there's no reason. There is no God. There's no reason to believe in a God because there's no good God in heaven that would let this kind of stuff happen to me. That's one direction you can go. Or the other direction, as I said, is that you, you press in and you, and you draw closer to God and you find the presence of God that much more real and you come through that time of difficulty and pain and suffering that much stronger in your faith. Amen. And my question to those who would blame God, who would, who would hate God and, and get angry at God for allowing pain and suffering and heartache and loss in your life, here's my question. Where else are you going to go? Who else are you going to turn to? Because if you blame God and you reject God and you you hate God for what you're going through, you still got to go through it. You're not going to escape the pain. And then what do you have to look forward to? Is it it just you die, you close your eyes and lights are out? Is that it? Is Is that life is meaningless? Who else are you going to turn to? 
You know, when I, when I think about the astronomical exponential suicide rates that are happening in our culture right now, I think that's one of the main reasons it's evident coming to the surface is that there are so many people out there who just look at life and they say, if this is all that there is, then life is not worth living. But there is a God. And there's a God who not only meets us at our deepest need. He heals us. He helps us. And he gives us hope. You see, God makes sense of suffering. And that's why we look at the lamb who was what? Slain. Slain. Because in the lamb, Jesus Christ, we see a God who was willing to step out of heaven and enter this world to what? Suffer and die. Amen. So that we have a God who knows exactly what we're going through right now. Not 2,000 years ago. Right now. Amen. So let's look at Revelation chapter 5. I'm not going to... Read the whole passage. There's a couple of verses I just want to highlight. In Revelation 5.1, this is, again, the Apostle John, and he is given a vision of the holiest place in the universe, and it says, I saw at the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. The reason John is weeping violently at this moment in his experience is because he understands that what is written on that scroll is what God has promised to bring an end to this present age. Everything that has been written on that scroll is God's prophetic promise that there is coming a day that He's going to bring all of our pain, all of our suffering, all of our sickness and sorrow and death, He's going to bring it to an end, a finished, complete end where there will be no more tears or sorrow or suffering. And yet here John stands and he's looking around and he's like, you mean there's nobody worthy to bring all of this to an end? And there, in, that, in that sense, there's no hope. And then look at what it says. And then one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so that he can take the seal, the scroll, and open its seals. And then look at what it says. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw not a lion. I saw what? A lamb. Standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Hey, will you pray with me for one moment? Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for this time, dedicated time. I want to pray that 
every ear in this room would hear the word that you have prepared. That every heart would receive your truth and comfort. And that we would walk away from here changed, having encountered the true and living God. May you have your way with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So three very simple things I'm going to share with you today. Number one, that Jesus came and died as the Lamb to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came and died as the Lamb to heal the brokenhearted. Everybody in here has experienced heartbreak. Everybody. You know, I think about my childhood. I think about, you know, I grew up in a very relatively stable family, very loving family, very supportive family. You know, I didn't have a lot of trauma in my life as a child. Uh, things were pretty much great. You know, I, you know, my wife and I got married young, and yeah, that was difficult. But, you know, God was good, and, and things were wonderful. And then I woke up one day went to class. Uh, I was in college, and they pulled me out of class, and they said, hey, um, set me in a little room, and they said, um, are you Marcus Van Every? And I, I was like, yeah. And they said, well, I, I'm sorry to tell you, but your mother just was killed in a car accident today. What do you do with that? Now, that may be extreme, but I understand that some of you have experienced abuse and pain and Suffering from, a ch- from as a little child. Your entire childhood may have been abuse and pain and heartbreak. Some of you are experiencing pain right now and going through something that's chronic and re- relentless. And So I understand that like everyone in this room has is, is experienced this heartbreak. And, but I want you to, to see today that we have a deeper need, that, that, that man's deepest need is the need that Jesus came to Take care of, and that's our need for forgiveness. We need to know that we can be made right with a holy God. We need to know that we can be forgiven, and we need to know that we can be accepted and that we are perfectly loved. That, my friends, is our deepest need. And when you look at Jesus Christ as the Lamb, who took on flesh, God the Son, clothing Himself in human form, coming here on this earth, walking in the midst of human suffering, experiencing it firsthand, even to the point of death on the cross, we understand, we begin to understand the kind of a God who was willing to go to the greatest lengths that we could ever imagine to meet our deepest need. The need to be reconciled to God. To truly know that we are forgiven. Of our sin. So when we look at the Lamb, we think about, I think about several scriptures, especially from the book of Isaiah. I just want to share a couple of them with you this morning. Isaiah 61. This is prophetically speaking about Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Guys, we have good news today. You can be forgiven. Amen. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And proclaim the year 
of the Lord's favor. It's like that old song, you know, I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter. You see, guys, the heart is the center core seat of the human existence. When we say heart, we're not, obviously we're not talking about the organ that's keep keeping the blood pumping through our chest. We, we understand that. There's a, a spiritual component to it. But from a Hebrew mindset, from, from, a, from a biblical mindset, let me help you understand what the heart means. The heart is the center of your will, your emotions, your mind, your volition, your pursuits. It, it basically, it, 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 your allegiances, your loyalties, your priorities, it, it's all resolved in your what? In your heart. And so it's the center of who we are. And the first thing that Jesus came to do was not simply to heal our hearts. Yes, we're going to talk about that in a second. But he came to give us a new what? A new heart. You see, we don't just need to turn over a new leaf as sinners before a holy God. We need a complete heart transplant. We need a complete total. We need a new operating system. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I've got to take the old one out and put a new one in because without a new heart, it is impossible for us to please God. It's impossible for us to be able to love God and impossible for us to be able to be obedient to God. And so when I think about uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, that's exactly what the, the new covenant is all about. When I say new covenant, I'm talking about the, the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Look at what it says in Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, he says... He's speaking of the, the future day when he brings his, the entire house of Israel, including us and all the nations. He says, I will take you from all the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you again. He's talking about forgiveness. And look at what he says. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So what Jesus comes to today offering you as the lamb is that because of his work on the cross on your behalf, he made a way for you to have a new heart and a new spirit. To have a new relationship. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And we need that. That's our deepest need. And so the good news is that the lamb who was slain meets us right there at the place of our deepest need. Isaiah 53. I was reading that just a little bit before I came up uh, this morning. I just want to share a few things with you. From Isaiah 53. Listen to what the prophet says about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. As one is from whom men will hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. 
All like sheep we have gone astray. We've turned everyone his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent. He did not open his mouth. You see, when we think about the cross... We know a good bit about the physical suffering that Jesus endured on our behalf. And we talk about that a lot. I mean, he was whipped and beaten to an inch of his life. He was disfigured and beaten so badly you couldn't even really recognize he was human. Face was probably so disformed and swollen because they had beat him to a pulp. I mean, to take that further than being nailed to a wooden cross and the, the, the pain and the the torment, excruciating pain of of being crucified, nailed to a cross. I mean, it is the most painful way to die. I mean, the Romans had it perfected to an art. They they knew how to make you suffer the the most that a a person could possibly suffer before dying. And if that wasn't bad enough, what we forget, though, is that Jesus endured the spiritual and mental and emotional pain, listen to me, that everybody in this room feels Right now. Take it a step further. When Jesus went and died on the cross, the Father Himself forsook Him. And at that moment, He poured out all of His anger and wrath and and judgment upon the Son that the world collectively deserves. Including who? You and me. Now I want you to think about that for just a second. That Jesus on the cross is... Physically excruciating as the cross was for him to endure, it does it pales in comparison to what Jesus felt emotionally and mentally and spiritually at that moment because every single pain and offense and hurt and heartache and suffering that has ever been experienced on the face of the planet from the very beginning to the very end was all poured out and concentrated on him collectively at that moment. How can you imagine that? All of it. He took it. But do you know what that means? As unfathomable as that is, that means that He knows what you're going through because He what? He felt it. All at once. So we have a sympathetic God who suffers and dies in our place and experiences the pain and hurt and abuse and loss and heartbreak that we experience all at one time so that he can be the lamb that was slain to offer us forgiveness and then to turn around and forgive us. And we need that healing more than anything else. You see, the reason we talk about the lamb first is because Jesus came in order of priority. Okay? The number one priority that God had on His mind when it came to redeeming mankind is that He needed to reconcile us to God in spiritual terms first. Legally and spiritually. Okay? He had to come heal our hearts first. And I want you to know today that He is here to heal your heart if you will let Him. Amen. Okay? What the Lamb of God who was slain demonstrates is His perfect and unconditional love. And I'm I'm going to say this because it's going to be something I'm going to repeat here in just a second. But Christ has died, past tense. It did happen in the past. And that was the greatest demonstration of His what? Love. Love. 
So there's never a doubt that, he, that God loves us. There should never be a doubt about that. It's been done. It's settled. It happened in the past, okay? Now, in a minute, we're going to talk about how Christ is risen. And then Christ will what? Come again, right? So stay with me on that. So Christ has died. That's the love of God demonstrated through the Lamb who was slain. And that is what we need the most. The most powerful force in the whole universe is the love of God. And for those of us who have experienced healing in Christ, nothing in all creation can separate us from His love. Amen. He had to come deal with this first. Got it? But He didn't stop there. The second thing I want to share with you today is that Jesus was raised in the power of the Holy Spirit and lives today as our ever-present help in times of trouble. Okay, so He's our healer. He's healed us from the pain of sin and, and reconciled us to God and He met our deepest need right there, but then He didn't leave us alone. Amen? That's good news. Jesus Christ didn't just come to do something in the past and then leave us to deal with it all by Himself. He said, no, I will be with you always Amen. To, the end of the, to the end of the age. This is very important to me. Because Christ died proving His love, but Christ is risen today in the power of the Holy Spirit. And He said something amazing to the disciples. He said, he said guys, I'm about to go away. And then He said, it's better that I what? It's better that I go. And you know they're just shaking their heads and saying, what are you talking about? You just got here. Like, we're just getting into this thing. What are you talking about? You're about to, to go away. You mean you're going to leave us? He said, no, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. He says, it's better that I go away because if I go away, I will send who? The Holy Spirit. Amen. So that Jesus, limited at that point in place and time, in human form, He was only able to do what He could do in that one place and point in time. But now, through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus and His Spirit can operate where? All over the world in every single person that it belongs to Him. That's why what he said was, it's better that I go away because I'm limited to where I am right now. But if I go back to the Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so that everybody who has this relationship with me will have my spirit in them. And there's nowhere they can go without my spirit. That's good news. Amen. Because even if our hearts are healed and we're made right with God, we still got to go through this wicked world, don't we? We still got to march through it. We still journey through this life. And the circumstances of life and the pain and the problems and the spiritual warfare, all that stuff is real. But the good news, and I want you to hear me in this, He does not leave you alone. Amen. He's our ever-present help in times of trouble. Look at what it says in Revelation 5. It says, There I saw the Lamb as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. What does that mean? That's a lot of symbolic language there. Basically, that means this is the Holy Spirit. His spirit goes out unto all the what? All the earth. There's nowhere you can go to escape his spirit. Amen. So that, that means that whatever it is that you're going through today, Jesus is with you, will help you. He will be your strength. Think about all the roles of the Holy Spirit. Just a few. He's your advocate. He's your helper. He's your comforter. He teaches us. He counsels us. He sustains us. He transforms us. He even prays for us. i got to read this because it's just too good. But in, in Romans chapter 8, listen to what it says about 
the Holy Spirit. It's just amazing. It says this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Anybody in here this week? I'm weak. Had an atheist tell me one time, you know, the only reason you believe in all this religious stuff is because it's just a big crutch for you. Anybody ever had a broken leg? You need a what? Is there shame in admitting that we're weak? I don't see the argument. Yeah, I need a crutch. I need a cross. I'm weak, I'm needy, I'm, I'm powerless, I'm, I'm helpless. I need a God who's greater than my sin and greater than death. Yes, I need a crutch. I need Jesus Christ. Amen. That's who I need. It says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. And He who searches our hearts in what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Do we have a God in heaven? We have Jesus who is our advocate. He's praying for us. And we even have a Holy Spirit here with us now who prays for us, who helps us. Who carries us through. So we have a God who heals. We have a God who helps us now. That's that's the sanctification part. We're going through life with Him. We're, we're, We're learning to trust Him more. But we also have a God who will come again as the lion. And that is our, that's our what? That's our hope. That's our hope. So think about the three greatest needs that every single person has in this room. When you walked into here, I can say this without reservation. You need to be healed in your heart and made right with God. To help you through the difficulties of life. Jesus has not left you alone. He He will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. And, and you need to know that there's a day coming that He's going to make everything that's wrong, He's going to make it right. You see, because Jesus deals with our heart, and then He helps us through sanctification, and He begins to change our, transform our what? Our minds. But there's one little thing that's still left, and that's these old bodies. Are you hurting today physically? Anybody? I'm telling you. Pain, chronic pain, physical pain, and even death is a constant reminder that there's still something lacking. I'm going to make a bold statement. Do you know that there's something in God's plan of redemption that is still incomplete? Even, listen to me, even for the people who are in heaven with God right now who have died in their faith, There's still something in them that's what? Lacking. Because, guys, we're dual in nature. We're both spirit and what? And body. And if when we die, our bodies go in the ground and we go to be in the presence of the Lord. But there's coming a day when Jesus returns as the lion of the tribe of Judah, when he's going to reunite our spirit with our what? Our bodies. We are physical in nature. We can't forget that. And He's going to give us resurrected bodies and He's going to destroy death once and for all. Amen. We, we, we don't need to miss that. 
Because when you're going through pain and suffering or when you bury a loved one and you look at their body and you lay them in the grave, you either have one of two options. There's no hope. Life is pointless. Life is meaningless. Or Jesus has promised to overcome death and the grave once and for all. And He's the only one that can do anything about it because He's the only one who's ever been resurrected from death. Amen. That's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is for your sake, so that as the grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God, so that we do not lose heart, my brothers. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day after day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us, listen to this, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Light and momentary affliction. Now you may say, Brother Marcus, what I'm going through is not light and momentary. I understand. But in view of the day of the resurrection when Jesus returns and makes all things new and wipes every tear from our eyes and promises to overcome death and sorrow and sickness and suffering in the grave, it is light and it is momentary. It's not permanent. That's the good news of the resurrection. That's the good news of the gospel. So just as it was in the heart of God before the very foundation of the world to send forth His Son to redeem the world as the Lamb, it is just as much in the heart of God to send forth His Son again to judge the earth and to purge the evil from the earth as the roaring lion, the conquering king. And there's many churches today, guys, who like to preach the cross and the love and the mercy of Christ, but they forsake to preach the wrath and the judgment and the coming lion, lion of the tribe of Judah. But I'm going to say this one thing before I close, because this is very, very important. When we talk about the wrath of God to come and purge the evil from this world, that's not exclusive to His love and His grace and mercy. Because ultimately, what is the wrath of God? The wrath of God is when He comes back, Jesus, in all of His glory, to eliminate everything on the earth that stands in the way of His love and mercy. You, you tracking with me? Amen. He's got to get rid of all the evil and corruption and sin and wickedness on the earth in order to place us in a kingdom where there is no more of that stuff. Guys, that is love. Amen. That's what love is. To bring it all to completion. And we're waiting today with hope. Hopeful expectation that Jesus Christ will do that in His due time. I'm going to ask our praise team if they'll come up. And we're going to sing one more song today. And I want you to ask yourself today. Are you blaming God for your pain that you're going through right now? Are you angry at God for letting some terrible thing happen to you? Be very careful. Where else are you going to go?
Who else are you going to turn to? The only way that life makes sense, the only way that suffering makes sense, is in view of a holy God who was willing to come and suffer for us. A holy God who was willing to come and die for us. To show love to us. To help us navigate the difficulties of His life. Never leaving us alone in the midst of it. You know how it is. You can go through just about anything as long as you know somebody's what? With you. Just as long as I don't have to go through it alone. That's what Jesus offers you today. And do you have hope? I'm not talking about wish. I'm not talking about maybe. Biblical hope is a, an assurance, a steadfast assurance in the promises of God that just as Jesus came the first time as the lamb, he's coming again Amen. as the lion. Amen. If you need healing, if you need help, if you need hope, I know the one who gives, meets all those needs. And his name is Jesus. And as we sing... Because he lives, I can face what? We can face tomorrow. So I'm going to open up this time. And guys, listen, I know this is a, a, a day, Resurrection Sunday, many new faces. There's visitors. Maybe you hadn't been to church in a while. Maybe this is your first time here. And, you know, people don't want to come up front. Maybe they get embarrassed or whatever it may be. But here's my prayer. I've been praying this morning, all morning long, I've been praying this. God, if this is the day. For someone or many people who've walked into this room and they don't have, they, their hearts aren't healed, their hearts are just completely broken, they have no one to help them, they feel like they're all alone, and they have no hope that today would be the day of their salvation. That today would be the day of your true salvation, that you could truly put your faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time and know that He is with you forevermore. Amen? If today is that day, don't leave this place without talking to me. Talk to me. Talk to someone that you know or trust. Talk to a family member who brought you, whatever it may be. But don't leave without doing business with God. It's very, very, it, may, it may mean the rest of your life and all of eternity. It may be determined by what happens here today. So don't leave. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for healing our broken hearts for experiencing pain and suffering like you did on our behalf so that you could turn around and forgive sinners like me. And then, Lord, you didn't leave us alone. You, you, you walk with us through the presence of your Spirit. You're with us to help us every single day to get through the darkness and the tough times and the pain. But, God, you also have a day appointed when you will come as King and you will raise up these mortal bodies. And we will receive resurrected bodies that will never die. Amen. And we will be with you as your people and you will be our God. And we will dwell with you forever. In the joy and the glory of the Lord. Father, help us today. If there be anyone here today that needs you for the very first time, let them have the courage to confess their sin, their need, and put their faith in you, Jesus. For it's in your holy and perfect name we do pray. And all God's people said. Amen. Would you stand together as we sing?